Netcasts you love. From people you trust. This is Twit. Bandwidth for the Tech Guy is provided by Cashfly. C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. Hi, this is Leo Laporte, and this is the video version of my Tech Guy podcast. You're about to see the best of two shows. Uh, episodes 773 and 774 from Saturday and Sunday, May 28th and 29th, 2011. Please enjoy. Let the party begin. A good day to you. Leo Laporte here, the tech guy. And I know many people would say, a party of nerds, no thank you. No thank you. But you know what? Nerds know how to have fun. This is the show. Have you seen Big Bang Theory? This is the show where we talk about computer. Have you seen Chuck? He's seen Chuck. <laughs> He's in the nerd herd. This is the show where we talk about computers, the internet, cell phones, camcorders, MP3 player, home theater. You know, anything digital, anything with a chip, anything uh, that you might find electronic, shall we say. We talk about, uh, about that all. We answer your questions. We, we, uh, we, we muse about the future of the world. All of that at this phone number, 888-827-5536. That's the number, 888-827-5536. This is a uh, 773rd show in this series. You'd think we'd have figured it out by now, but no. The mystery of technology grows at all times. In fact, you know, it's funny because I think, you know, when, when, when uh, we first started getting personal computers... Back in the late 70s, when you first could finally have a computer on your desktop, I think the thought was, oh, now, uh, now, you know, everyone can have one. The challenge, the task is going to be make it accessible. Because, you know, up to then, it was really a priesthood that was able to, to use the computer. You had to study it in school. You had to have uh, access to a mainframe. I mean, it was not easy. The young Bill Gates, in fact, uh, became a computer nerd because... His mom and other parents at the, the exclusive swanky Seattle private school he went to had a bake sale and bought money, bought to time sharing on, um, on the big mainframe down the street. And they put a, I remember this in my, when I was in prep school, they put a teletype terminal in a, in a little closet at the school. And, uh, and the nerds would go in there and mess with it. And Bill was one of them. And he fell madly in love with personal computing. Now, it wasn't really personal computing yet. It was very early in personal computing. Very early, you know, in the sense that nobody had a small computer. But because this fancy high school had a terminal, in a way it was personal. He could go in there and he'd have access to this timeshare mainframe. And he learned how to program. And he and his buddies, Paul Allen was uh, one of them, uh... In fact, formed a company. Their first company was called Trafo Data, and they wrote, they wrote the software. You've seen it when you drive down the street. Sometimes they have those little rubber, rubber hoses across the street, counting traffic. You know, they, every once in a while, the cities need to know well how much traffic's on this street. Should we change the uh, traffic patterns and so forth? He wrote a a program that would interpret those little boom boom rubber hose bumps boom boom 
And cities were buying this from this high school kid. Trafo Data it was the Lakeside School. Uh, he, he's roughly my age. He graduated at the same time I did from high school in 1973. So there was no personal computers back then. But he was lucky because he went to this fancy school. He had access to these things. And they went on to Harvard. And it was in his uh, dorm room at Harvard that he uh, got a phone call from his old buddy at the Lakeside School. Paul Allen, who said, hey, did you see the cover of uh, popular, was it Popular Science? Or popular, uh, I can't remember which, uh, which magazine it was. Did you see the cover? Let me, let me, let me look, because it's in the Wikipedia article. I just want to get that right. And he called him and he said, look at this. That's on the front of this. There's a picture of a, a personal computer, Popular Electronics. <clears throat> It was the Altair 8800. And Paul said, this is amazing. Steve Ballmer was, uh, was his college roommate, too, and, uh, and interested in all of this. This is amazing. They didn't have an Altair. They couldn't afford one. They had never written anything for it. But, they th but, but somehow they had this idea, Bill, Bill Gates and Paul Allen, that, that said this was going to be a revolution. They knew, they knew about computers. They loved computers. And they thought, boy, having a computer on an individual's desk, that's going to be a revolution. And they said, we've got to get, we've got to jump this, board this train. This is 1975. So uh, Bill said, let's write a programming language. We love basic. Let's write a basic programming language for the Altair. They don't have one. They did. They wrote it. They didn't even have the computer. Paul Allen wrote a, uh, a machine uh, that, that, uh, that uh, uh, it would emulate the Altair on the big computer. And they were able to use the big mainframe computer to write this basic, and they never—they didn't even know if it had run. They're, they're debugging it on the plane as they fly to Albuquerque to show it to the president of MITS to sell it to him. It worked. They made a deal. Paul Allen was hired by MITS. Bill Gates took a leave of absence from Harvard in 1975. He was just a sophomore. And, uh, or was he a junior? Yeah, yeah I think he was a junior. And, and uh, they formed a company. Yeah, out there in Albuquerque, called Micro-Soft. Not a great name. Not a great name. But the beginning of something huge. And all because they said, you know, that when these become personal, there's going to be something interesting. So ever since the first days of the personal computer, where people got excited by what they could do, it's been a, it's been a drive to make these things easy to use. Something that you and I could use without being computer scientists, without being the, having the genius of a Bill Gates and a Paul Allen. And uh, here we are. What is that? 20, 36 years later? <laughs> 36 years later. And uh, are these things easier to use? No. They're actually harder to use. Do they? Uh, can anybody just sit down in a computer and use them? No. No, not really. In fact, a lot of what we do on this show is I, I, I assure you it's not your fault if this thing doesn't work right. It's the fault of the computer scientists who think everybody could figure this out. Ah, you should, you should be able to hack into this, the firmware and fix that. <laughs> but something has changed in the last year. And it's another guy, another kid who, in the same time frame, roughly the same age, dropped out of college in the mid-70s. He was a student at Reed University up in uh, Portland, Oregon. And he dropped out. And he, he and his buddy... 
were kind of phone hackers. They liked to. They were selling uh, devices called blue boxes that let you make free long distance calls. It was highly illegal, but they were into electronics. They were into technology, and 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 this kid who dropped out of Reed, this kid Steve Jobs was his name. He uh, he really thought there was going to be a business here. He lo he loved the idea that we could make something and there'd be a business here. He, they sold the blue boxes. At, and Wozniak, his, his buddy Steve Wozniak, who was a genius engineer, he just didn't care. He just thought it was fun. And Jobs got Wozniak to uh, encourage him to uh, work on his design for this thing they called the Apple One, And uh, later the Apple II. And it was the first personal computer on your desk. But even then, I think Steve and Steve realized it was it was for hobbyists, it was for enthusiasts, and I think Steve Jobs, even then, in the back of his head, said this should be easier to use. In fact, that's why they did the Macintosh in 1984. They wanted it was remember the computer for the rest of us, but you know what? It was still too hard to use. It was still it was it wasn't for it was for the enthusiast or somebody who was willing to take the time and effort to learn it. It was not, it wasn't that easy to use. But I think in the back of his head, Steve Jobs and the people he worked with on the uh, early Macintosh team, people like Jeff Raskin, had this vision of a computer you could just sit down at and use. And you know what happened? It just happened this past year. It happened 20, what is it, 27 years later. They came up with something called the iPad. And you know, for the first time, it is something somebody could just sit down and use pretty much, right? In fact, that was the tagline. You already know how to use it. And I see two and three-year-old kids who actually can use this thing. They know how to use it. It's somehow, it's just because it's touch, it's intimate, it's there. And boy, what a... Now, now it gets interesting. Now, now these things really are something people can use. And that's what this show's about. How to use this stuff to change your life, whether it's a computer, home, home theater, an iPad, a cell phone... 8888-ASK-LEO. That's the phone number. Let's talk. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. The history of computers in 11 minutes and 40 seconds. I want a girl with a mind like a diamond. I want a girl who knows what's best. Ah, uh, Kyle's on the Kyle's on the tunes, on the jams once again. You could tell. That's got to be cake, right, Kyle? It is, yeah. and the Chuck theme song, and the theme song from Chuck. By the way, I didn't know they did the theme song from Chuck. There you go. All right, I gotta watch more TV. Leo Laporte, the tech guy, chronicling the computer revolution for the last twenty years. I have been doing this show. I know we're on, we're only on episode 773, but we only started counting seven years ago. If I were to have started counting when I started doing this show in 1991, um, golly, I don't know. I'd have to do the math. It's 104 shows a year, 20 years. So more than 2,000 shows, right? Yikes! And I still haven't figured it out. 8888-ASK-LEO, 888-827. 5536 is the phone number. Toll free from anywhere in the U.S., outside the U.S., please just call uh, the uh, Skype, do the Skype thing, because that's toll free. And uh, by the way, our, our website is techguylabs.com. So if you go there, you'll find uh, at techguylabs.com, you'll find uh, the phone number, a link to the chat room, which is always a lot of fun. Well over 500 people in there now. And, you know, I have a feeling by the end of the day, there will be uh, a thousand 
because I'm an optimist. A thousand Chuck fans all in the <laughs> all in that chat room at once. Anything you want to talk about, if it's a computer, if it's the internet, if it's cell phones, a camcorders. You know, I'm sitting here, we have a, 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 a kind of an open studio policy because we have viewers in here. And I see not one but two massive DSLRs in here. That Digital photography has really, uh, really taken off. There's a Canon 5D Mark II and a Nikon. Is that a, that's a D7, a 7D and a D50. These are, these guys, people are serious about photography now, aren't they? It's a, it's fast. So I love to talk about that. We even do, we have a, a photo show uh, on my podcast network, and it's so much fun. It's a great way to get into technology. We also talk a lot about cell phones. I don't, I don't do a specific cell phone show. We have a show called All About Android, which is cell phones and tablets, and we do an iPad show. I really should probably do a fo phone show. Phones are fascinating. That, 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 those early computers like the uh, Apple II, uh, the Mitz Altair, you know, that was a big deal that you could have that on your desk. Nowadays, in your pocket, you have a supercomputer. The, 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 the iPhone, or any one of these Android phones, some of which are more powerful than the iPhone, is actually faster, more powerful, does more. They measure this in, in what they call teraflops. Billions of floating point instructions per second. This, this phone in your pocket does more teraflops than a Cray supercomputer of about five years ago. A computer that had to sit in liquid nitrogen to keep it cool. <laughs> you don't have to carry around a pocket full of liquid nitrogen. You have in your pocket. And people go, you know, my phone gets warm. Yeah, your phone gets warm. <laughs> Used to have to be in liquid nitrogen. Truly a revolution. Amazing. 888-827-5536. That's the phone number. Our first call of the day from Vista, California. Richard is on the line. Hi, Richard. Hello, Leo. How's the supercomputer in your pocket? <laughs> uh, it's fantastic. It is an iPhone. So. It's amazing. I mean, I, I, it's just remarkable what, how fast this changes. And now home theater, that computer that you have in your living room is a computer. Uh, the TV you have in the living room is a computer, too. It's usually running Linux. Yeah. Amazing. Well, that's what I'm looking at to, to, to get as a new TV. I've got to replace these old uh, uh, giant uh, CRTs someday. Yes. So yes, hard to believe. Um, you know that uh, that a you know remember a th I think I think the biggest CRT I ever had was 32 inches, and it was ginormous. It was like having an elephant in the living room. Oh, that's what I have, and yes, it is ginormous. It's huge because because they're because it's a tube, and so the tube as it gets bigger in front has to get bigger in the back, and these things are just. Huge. And now, a 32-inch flat panel would be considered relatively small. Right. Right. Yeah, um, I was thinking, you know, a 32-inch uh, flat panel is going to be way too small for this room. It's a smaller room, though, but anything bigger than 42 is probably going to be too big. Yeah, so, I mean, it's hard to tell. You know, what happens is, now, now that we've gone to these high-def TVs and, and flat panels, we're looking for more of a cinematic experience, right? And so, in a even in a small room, if you want it to feel like you're at a movie theater, a 50 or a 60 inch TV may not be too big. But it, you know, you have to decide what it what it is that you know. You have to you have to balance aesthetics, and, you know, and, and livability with with uh, your home theater experience. But I think I think in my opinion, I I'd like to see I'd like to see you get a 50. How big is the room? 
Oh, it's not that big. It, I mean, it's about maybe 12 by 12. You know, the, the real question is how far back are you sitting? And there's, a, there's actually a calculation you can do based on the distance from the TV. What's interesting is that the Dolby folks have, have this and the THX folks have this. And, uh, and, and in each calculation, you can go online and search for this, you'd be surprised at how much bigger the TV is supposed to be than you think. And I think that that's because they want to give you an experience where it almost fills your field of view. So oh, that would be nice. Of course, cost is a, is a factor. Well, yeah, but and again, the costs have dropped dramatically. You go to a big box store, and you, it's a, it's kind of stunning what a fifty a fifty inch TV for eleven hundred bucks nowadays. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, let me tell you what I'm looking at. Yes, um, I'm looking at the Vizio E3D four two zero VX. Okay. It's a forty two inch. It's three D, which, like you, I'm not too crazy about, but. Right now on Amazon, it's only uh, $657. is not that amazing? Holy cow. Christ. Holy <laughs> cow. Vizio is a very good brand. It's not the top tier. You know, if you, you, know, you, you want to know what the top tier TVs are. They're Panasonic, they're Sony, they're LG, they're Sharp. And then there's Vizio. And Viz so Vizio is like a second tier, but Vizio is a v is very good bang for your buck. And I like Vizios. We bought a bunch of Vizios for the studio. Uh, I think they're very good. I agree with you. Th you know, 3D is kind of unnecessary. Uh, this TV has some of the features that you really want. It's 1080p, mm -hmm. so that's good. You can watch Blu-ray discs and get all the resolution. Although at that size, it's probably not critical. It's only the bigger sizes where the higher resolution makes a difference. Uh, it has its LED backlit, which I like. Uh, I think that gives you a more even, accurate lighting. It has an automatic backlight adjustment. You may or may not want to use that. Depending, you have to see how you feel. Uh, what, I, what I think is uh, very good is it, it supports, as, as I think all the Vizios do, um, internet access. So you don't have to get an extra yeah, box to... Real important. Yeah, you don't have to get an extra box for Amazon or Netflix. I like that, and in, in, um, I think that's important. So, no, this is a good TV. I have, uh, you know, what you should do, the one thing I recommend, and it's hard to do in the store... Uh, but look and ask them how it works with standard definition content. Because even though most of what you watch will be HD nowadays, some of it's going to be standard definition. And some lower price TVs don't do very well with I Love Lucy and the Honeymooners. You know, they, it makes okay. it... Because you're seeing it in better quality than you've ever seen it before. That old 32-inch CRT smooched it so that it looked better, <laughs> believe it or not. But now when you see it actually as it is, it looks pretty jaggy. But if you don't want watch a lot of old TV uh, shows... Or you get a good upscaling uh, DVD player, which I'd recommend get a good Blu-ray player. I think that's a great TV. Uh, Bruno Mars song. But uh, Leonard Nimoy just released a video version of this that is hysterical. A little adult, but it's hysterical. And uh, he just tweeted it. He's on, on the Twitter as the real Nimoy. <laughs> as opposed to what? I don't know. Um, but just just hysterical. I'll I'll, I'll retweet, so uh, you can get a link to that. My uh, my Twitter account is Leo Laporte, L E O L A P O R T E, and if you're following me, you'll see I just tweeted the link to that song, the video, the YouTube video of Leonard Nimoy. Very funny. Is there a fake Nimoy? I guess there is. He's the real Nimoy. Eighty-eight, eighty-eight. Ask Leo. That's the phone number. We will, by the way, uh, speaking of uh, home theater, we have our home theater guru, Scott Wilkinson from the Ultimate AV Magazine. He joins us every Sunday on the show.
uh, and he's been a really uh, valuable asset because uh, this stuff's changing very rapidly. And I can't possibly try every TV in the world, but he does, believe it or not. George in Florida, you're next. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hi, George. Hey, Leo. Great to talk to you. Thanks for calling. Um, I've got a question uh, regarding um, uh, our DSL. We have DSL um, internet service, and I've got a couple of computers in the house, and I, I use speed test to check, you know, download speed. And I've got one one computer, um, and it's showing half of half the bandwidth that the other computers are rating at. And I don't know why why something like that would be happening. Do you have any idea what it might be? Do you think it's, I don't know, if it was a network card that needs to be switched? Are you, uh, on the slow computer, is it Wi-Fi or is it uh, direct wired, wired it's, connection? Uh, I've got, the, the computer that I'm having problems with, it's, it's a direct, it's a wired connection. Ah, that's interesting. Because you'd maybe think with Wi-Fi, oh, you know, it could be uh, having problems uh, with the Wi-Fi card. But if it's a direct Ethernet connection. Yes, it's direct to the... Um, to, it's the know, same router for all of them. Yes, same router. Yeah. Um, I can't think of why it would be ha half the speed is a lot slower. Yeah, it might be a setting. Are, are all of the operating systems the same? Uh, when, uh, it's Windows 7, yes. Yeah. Um, um, do you think it's a software issue or do you think it's a hard, you think it's a network card? It, it's hard to tell. It could be, it could be either. I mean, it could even be the cable. So, okay. so I would, you know, I, the, the process of troubleshooting is to, you know, narrow it down by eliminating things. And you always do the easiest thing first. What's the easiest thing? Swap a cable. Okay. So see if, the, see if swapping the cable makes a difference. It's nice that you have speed test because that'll, that, that is, a, is a great way to see what's going on. Okay. If, um, if you, uh, let me think about this. Uh, there are ways to set uh, Ethernet cards to make them slower or less uh, useful. You'll find that in the device manager and the properties for the card. Uh, but I presume you didn't mess with it, so uh, I would have to think that no, the. No. Yeah. If you, do you no, have. It's, it's like, you know, it, it, it's the card that's on the motherboard. Oh, yeah, yeah, you don't mess with that. The other thing you might try, the router itself, um, somebody in the chat room suggested it's worth a try, trying a different port on the router. Okay, okay, I'll do that too. You might have a bad port. Okay. And it seems likely, it's hard to say. I mean, I, w I was going to say it seems likely that it's hardware, but that's really not true. It, it could be, uh, okay. you know, computers are so deucedly complicated these days, and there's so many different interacting pieces of the puzzle that you just have to one by one try them. So switch the port, switch the cable, uh, look at the card settings. Uh, you might want to uh, delete the Ethernet driver and, and re you know, reboot to replug and play it. It's a Windows-supplied driver, so it's not like you can go to the manufacturer and get a different one, but maybe you can. You do have, make sure you have, this actually could be this, could be an easy fix. Uh, every motherboard, if you, since you have motherboard Ethernet, Every motherboard has its own special drivers. And okay. it may be that Windows, when you got installed on that machine, installed its generic drivers. But see if you could... It, it, who is it? Somebody made the, the whole computer, or is it... It's a, it's a gigabyte. It's a, it's a one that I put together. Ah, okay, good. So it's a gigabyte motherboard. That's, that's significant. I would go to gigabyte and make sure you have the exact right drivers for that exact motherboard. Okay, okay, I'll do that. That actually is significant. You built it yourself, so you know how to do this stuff. Um, motherboard drivers uh, include drivers for anything on the motherboard, graphics, audio, and Ethernet. Okay. And you want to okay. make sure you get those the correct ones for those. They may even have a fix for it.
make sure the card's in full duplex mode. I don't think you'll have changed those settings, but it's possible that they didn't come uh, configured properly from the from the start. Okay, awesome. All right, I'll try those things. Thanks for the thanks for the call, George. Yeah, it's all a you know. I can't tell you definitively. Oh, I can see into your computer and tell you it's the fact that uh, this is because I, you know it could be so many things. Another great tip from Brian in the chat room: make sure the network cable isn't right next to an AC power cord, and certainly don't twist power cords around network cables. That kind of thing, because what you're getting is that you can get interference from the AC. That could slow you down. Wouldn't necessarily break the connection. It could just slow you down. Uh, another good suggestion. This is a good troubleshooting suggestion in general. This is for somebody who's more advanced. Obviously, George is. He built his own computer. It's a great thing, though, if you know how to do this to do it, is to get a copy of Linux on a CD that you can boot from or a DVD that you can boot from. Uh, it's, they're, they're widely available. Ubuntu is a good choice. U-B-U-N-T-U dot com. Put it on a CD. They make these uh, discs that you can boot up from the CD uh, and run. Now, they won't run as fast. It's designed to give you a, a peek, a test, uh, 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 to get an idea of what Linux would be like on your system. But it has another advantage. If there is something wrong with your operating system or your drivers or your hard driver, you know, uh, the software on your computer, booting to a completely different operating system and testing, then running speed test would be, uh, I think, of, uh, an interesting test. Because if it works at full speed in that booted Linux, then you know, oh, it's not hardware. It's not the cable. It's not the card. It's something going on in Windows, either a setting or a software or driver issue in, in Windows. This is in, in, insanely useful to have this Linux boot disk. Uh, if, you, if, if you've got a working machine now, not a bad idea. Maybe this would be a good project for a Saturday afternoon. Go and download Ubuntu. Burn it onto a CD or a DVD. And now you've got something that you can boot from in all kinds of situations. If you've got a virus problem, a hard drive is flaky. Um, you want to recover the data from the hard drive before it dies. If you're not sure if software is causing a problem. This is so, in, so useful to have this boot disk, have it around. And there are a number of uh, kind of custom Windows boot disks li that, that like this as well, that you can see the ultimate boot CD and things like that. But frankly, in, in most cases... Uh, just a simple Linux install was going to have the tools that you need to examine the hard drive and so forth. You don't need to go out and buy something fancier. Um, UltimateBootCD.com, though, does have a, uh, a CD that's designed for this kind of troubleshooting that you can make as well. And I think it's running Linux as well. Uh, Manuel in Corona, Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hi, Manuel. Hi, I was wondering, though, uh, what would be a recommendation for a good point-and-shoot camera to take on vacation? How uh, how fa how fancy do you want to get? What's your budget? That kind of thing. Um, well, maybe about 300 bucks more than that for a good point-and-shoot. My favorite point-and-shoot, and it's very compact and really a nice camera, is the Canon S95. S95. It uh, lists at 400. You might be able to get it for a little bit less. It is a very good 10 megapixel digital camera. It's got excellent video capabilities as well. Um, it uh, it's, it's kind of their state of the art point and shoot. And I, I do like Canons. Uh, Fuji uh, also makes some uh, very good ones. Panasonic. I like the Panasonic Lumix line. For for ease of use, for people who, who it's their first digital camera and they just want to make it easy, Kodak makes some decent ease of use cameras. But but if you want a great camera for your vacation, it takes excellent pictures, it's very compact. The Canon 
PowerShot S95. I'm a San Francisco Giants fan. I don't know why this became the San Francisco Giants theme, however. <laughs> it really doesn't have much to do with baseball, San Francisco, or the Giants, but it is called Don't Stop Believing." It's fun. Thank you for playing that, Kyle. How many, I wonder how many baseball teams, though, that that was the theme song. <laughs> I mean, like, probably half of them, right? 8888-ASK-LEO, that's the phone number, 888-827-5536. Computers, the internet, cell phones, home theater, iPads, tablets of any kind. I've become a, a big fan of a tablet that's coming out later this week, I think, or next week. Uh, the uh, It's not an iPad. It's the Galaxy uh, Tab. This is their 10.1-inch tab. It is th as thin, actually slightly a hair thinner than the iPad 2. It's about the same weight. Because it's a widescreen, instead of, you know, the iPad 2 is, uh, t is 1024 by 768. It's a 4 by 3. This is a widescreen, so it's 16 by 9, which means uh, watching movies on it, uh, would be, you know, they'd be the, the right aspect ratio. It'd fill the screen nicely. Uh, 1280 by 800, so it's more more resolution. And having a little bit bigger case means they could put a little bit bigger batteries. The battery life is uh, equal to or even slightly better than the iPad. What it, what it lacks, of course, is iOS, is, the, is Apple's operating system. It's running an Android uh, operating system on it. And Android up to now hasn't really been designed for tablets, so there's not a lot of applications that fill this screen although the ones that do fill it beautifully and, and really uh, use the real estate nicely i it's a fast tablet it's running a dual core tegra 2 processor it's um it's which gives us great video capability um graphics capability i, I think it's a i think it's a pretty sweet uh a device it, what what i like about it is apple's getting some competition i, I think the ipad is significant you know i um uh, a couple of uh, shows ago, we had a, a older person call in who said she wanted to buy a Windows computer. And I said, please, <laughs> for her first computer. And in fact, she said she'd bought one from Dell and it didn't come with an operating system. She didn't know what to do. And I said, please, why did you buy this? Why did you buy this? What do you want to do? She said, well, email and surf. I said, you really, I, you, you really ought to consider an iPad. Uh, it does email, it surfs, it's great for casual use, and it's easy to use. There's no security issues involved with it. Um, it's it's very capable. I think these tablets are great as a second computer for people who are into computers but want something light and easy to transport around. Um, you can get a lot of work done on it. And I think for there's a whole separate category of people for their first computer. And the iPad particularly is good. You know, I'm, I'm an Android fan because I like messing around with stuff, and Android does let you mess around with it more. It has more choices. And it does have 200,000 applications. It's not like there's a lack of applications. But Apple has more, almost half a million applications now. And uh, I think the, the, perhaps the fit and finish, the quality of design of the software is probably a little bit better. Apple does control it much more tightly. That's a pro and a con. Um, I, I have to say, I, I, feel, I feel pretty good about tablets in general. And I think for a first-time user... An iPad is is the right choice, and uh, they're they're pretty uh, they're pretty they're getting they're getting there. And and uh, iPad is there already. And I think these these uh, new Android tablets, Acer just came out with one. Uh, I like this Samsung quite a bit. Are are very close, very usable, and have a lot of the you know if you're a Kindle if you like to read books on your Kindle, you should probably take a look at this. They're really great ebook readers.
um, magazines, things like that. I, I have to say, I, I'm very, very bullish on this category. And a lot of computer users, a lot of computer journalists are not. It's scary for them because they understand computers. They've made their living explaining computers. They like it a little bit that you need them. You might even find your nerd down the street is a little dismissive of tablets. Oh, you don't want a tablet. You want something with more power, something that can do more. But what really they're thinking, maybe not even consciously, is you want something where you need me more. Because if you, these tablets uh, are pretty easy to use. <laughs> you know, they're for people who, who aren't interested in becoming computer experts. They just want to surf, do email, play some games. Great for gaming. Really fun for gaming. I'm, I'm, I'm very bullish on this category. It's very exciting. Who isn't now, right? Gabe, except for the geek down the street. Gabe in Chino Hills, Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hi, Gabe. Hello, Leo. How are you? I'm wonderful. How are you? Um, I'm looking to get uh, my first smartphone. And I also have a 2010 F-150 with the sync system in it. So I've heard you. I have you know I'm a Ford sync fanatic. It's a great system. I love it. I have a 2010 Mustang with the sync. And, and a disclaimer here, Ford is a sponsor, a major sponsor on our podcast network. In fact, that's why I got the Mustang. But now, but now, now I just love it. I think it's really great. Sync is Ford's name for, it's actually Microsoft Car, which is a car operating system Microsoft designed with additions on top of it. Uh, that's Ford's branding for their Bluetooth navigation, uh, audio system, and phone. Now, I currently have a, an old just Sony Ericsson flip phone. And all the features work, including the text messaging, it downloads the phone book, and so forth. Wow, that's pretty cool. What, what, which phone is this? It's the Sony Ericsson uh, Equinox. That's really interesting because a lot of, a lot of uh, the smartphones don't do all of that. Most of them will allow, all of them will allow you to make Bluetooth calls. I'm talking about on the Ford Sync, but I think this is true across the board that their capabilities vary for some reason. I'm not sure why. All of them allow you make make and place calls. Not all of them allow you to download the phone book. That's a nice feature because then the, the, the car can say, mom is calling. Or you can call mom by name. You can say, call mom on her cell. And those that's a nice feature. Certainly while you're driving, you don't want to be dialing. Um, and then you have an additional benefit, which I think is great, that very few smartphones can handle, including the iPhone, which is that when a text comes in, the car reads you the text. Is that will your car do that? Yes. Your truck? And yeah. I like that feature a lot. I do and too. Now the only one I've ever tried that does that is the Droid X. Okay. Um, that's a Verizon phone. Um, I have used the iPhone. I have used a number of other Android phones. I'm currently using a T-Mobile G2X. I've tried the Nokia N8. None of them recognize or read text messages. The Droid X was the only one where a text message would come in, the car would beep at me, and I could say, you know, I could press a button that says read it, and it would read it in a robotic voice, which was great fun. <laughs> Especially when I got sexy texts from my wife. <laughs> Honey, bunny, I can't wait to snog with you. It was very romantic. Okay. Well, that uh, that pretty much answers my question because I was going to ask about the, the T-Mobile uh, G2. It's my favorite uh, Android phone right now because it's dual core, terrible battery life, but I just bought a second battery. <laughs> and that's how I solve it. When the battery dies halfway through the day, I put another one in. Uh, 
And that's nice. You can't do that with the iPhone, although uh, you don't need to in most cases with the iPhone. Um, the G2X does not read text messages. I don't know. We should collect a database of uh, maybe Ford or your Ford dealer would know uh, which... This is a feature, by the way, most cars don't have. And the fact that the sync does it at all is kind of cool. It must be... All I can think of is it's, it must be a Bluetooth profile for text messages that some phones support and others don't. If I could figure out what... Maybe somebody in the chat room can help me. Is there a name for this Bluetooth, Bluetooth profile? If there is, then we could look on the specs of any phone and say, oh, yes, that supports, you know, Bluetooth texting profile or not. Yeah, that would be great. That would be very helpful. Yeah, but the only one I've tried that does it is the Droid X. And that's Verizon, as you said. That is Verizon. It's a very nice phone. They had the, the X2 just came out. I would presume that it would do the same. Okay. I'll have to, you know what I'll have to do is bring a bunch of phones and... It's a kind of a pain because you have to pair it with a car and then you have to get somebody to send you a sexy text message and, <laughs> yeah. and all of that. All right. Well, I think you're going to, I tell you, you know what I would also look at, and I don't know, if, for your first smartphone, I like the Windows mobile phones and all the carriers now have Windows mobile phones, these new Windows Phone 7. Um, these are very nice smartphones. They're kind of intermediate between a feature phone and a full-fledged full smartphone. They... Their ease, ease of use is very good. They're very functional. Um, I, the Samsung Focus that I had, did not, I don't believe it read text messages to me, though. So We'll figure it out. Okay. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Thank you. All right, Gabe. Well, yeah, I wish there were some way, you know, it's just, <laughs> I wish there were a directory somewhere that would tell you. The Nexus S did not. Um, I wish there were, oh, wait a minute, here's a chart. Chat room, as always, syncmyride.com. That's the Ford site does in fact have a chart syncmyride.com of sync compatible mobile phones and they have checklists on all the phones to support which features are uh, that's fantastic of course they do that leo laporte the tech guy well a good day to you leo laporte here the tech guy this is the show where we talk about tech and when you know, i have a pretty broad definition of tech when i first started doing this show Many moons ago, tech meant computers, basically. I mean, we talked a little bit about the Internet. It was so early on. Uh, I don't think we really started talking about the Internet until later. So tech meant things like um, uh, Windows 3.1, <laughs> DOS 5, that kind of thing. A little later on, a little later on, uh, the Internet got involved. And then, well, it got even crazier. We got all sorts of other things involved, like... Uh, cell phones and home theater so anything i'm very liberal in my definition in fact when i started doing the tech guy show back in 2004 we started in los angeles on the great kfi where the show is still i'm very pleased to say broadcast um the program director there robin bertolucci such a great friend and supporter said uh you're not just gonna do windows are you <laughs> i said no she said, because uh, we have a lot of, you know, it's L.A., there's a lot of creative types. We want to do Mac. I said, well, you, yeah, I'll talk about it. I love the Mac. I'll talk about the Mac. She said, then, um, you know, I'm thinking cell phones are going to be hot. This is 2004, uh, well before the smartphone. And I said, yeah, yeah, well, I'll talk about smartphones. Uh, or I, I guess it wasn't smartphones. It was cell phones, right? And uh, home theater, you know, that's big. I said, yeah, I could talk about that. <laughs> so as, uh, as the world of technology has expanded, so has my portfolio 
Some things have fallen by the wayside. I don't do much GPS conversation anymore. Everybody's got one in their phone. There's no reason to buy a standalone GPS. I went to the, I was at Costco the other day, and they have a whole aisle of GPSs. I thought, hmm, what if they sell a lot of those? Uh, PDAs, you don't see people buying Palm Pilots much anymore, do they? Yeah, smartphones got, got that down, too. Even Apple has noted that fewer people are buying the old iPods, the music iPods, uh, more than half the iPods sold these days are iPod Touches because people want the apps. The iPod Touch really is a PDA, isn't it? It's, it's, it's taken the mantle of the Palm and the Trio and all of those. So things change. Some things drop off, but more things are added all the time, and I'll talk about any of them. It, that's, I love it. 8888-ASK-LEO is the number. Uh, again, uh, for our last caller who was trying to figure out what uh, phones would read text messages back to you on the Ford Sync devices, SyncMyRide.com has uh, a lot of information. We found one table that was from 2008. There is a more modern table that lets you actually choose your vehicle, and, uh, and then it will tell you what that vehicle supports. And that's because the Ford Sync has uh, changed dramatically. Uh, in its capabilities. Now they call it My Ford Touch, and it does more stuff. And I would presume any manufacturer, uh, any car manufacturer that has built-in Bluetooth would, would have this kind of information. And it's worth checking, because I'll tell you, it can really make a difference in your experience of the car. I cannot go backwards. When I get in the car now, uh, it recognizes my phone. It automatically pairs with the phone. If I've been listening to something on the phone, I listen to audiobooks when I drive. Um, it will start playing. It'll pick it up where I left off. I love that. So I get, when I get out of the car, the book stops. It pauses. When I get back in the car, it picks up. It's just it's it's like it's like Night Rider. Uh, so you those features you want. You may not know it, but you, believe me, once you get used to them, you will you will want them. Richard in Irvine, you're next. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hello, Richard. Hey, Leo, good morning. Good morning. Or, I guess good afternoon. Now. I kept you on hold uh, long enough. Yeah, Yeah. Um, two things, two questions, separate issues. I'm an architect, and we use our website as our brochure. It works great for us. And when we go to lunch meetings or meetings where I don't want to haul a laptop around and show people a project or refer to our website, it occurred to me that one of these tablets would be perfect for that. Yes, indeed. It fits in a notebook. Now, I was looking at the ViewSonic, the G tablets that are coming out, and uh, looking at the iPad, and just, I don't need something, uh, we're not planning to do email with it, it's more just something to be able to take with us to our meetings. You just want to show websites. On. You just want to show websites. Well, or if we have images, we'll have colored images or drawings, and we want to be able to show them that, uh, their own project. Let's say we've done a presentation, but we don't want to haul around a computer. I'll tell you the uh, limitations of tablets, and, and this is particularly a limitation on the iPad, but in general on tablets, they don't really render websites often uh, perfectly. If you have any flash on the website, you can't use an iPad, period. Well, we, I don't, I'm not interested in the iPad that much. I'm a big fan of Android. Yeah. Uh, our phone, we have HD. Andro Android, Android, Android does support uh, flash, and the newer uh, tablets right. with the... Uh, Tegra 2 uh, dual-core processor actually perform pretty well. Flash on, an, on a cell phone isn't usually very good because it's just gotten, it's kind of a constrained resource. But it works pretty well on a, uh, on a tablet. Um, I haven't played with the ViewSonic. Um, 
my current favorite tablet is the Samsung, and that's going to come out. The 10-1 is coming out, uh, I think, June 6th. Um, I don't know. Uh, the G tablet is using 2.2.1. Um, it is only 1024 by 600 because it's a 7-inch tablet. So you should... They have a they have a ten inch one. Oh, I they believe. do have a ten inch now. Oh, good. Okay, you're going to yeah, want the bigger screen. I read a lot of reviews. They said the main problem is the software. A lot of people will flash it and and basically install different software yeah, operating. The problem right now with uh, Android tablets is that the operating system Google released for tablets, Honeycomb, wasn't done, and is was yeah. pretty awful. Now that now I haven't tried three point one. It is now being pushed out for the Motorola Zoom. And uh, I understand I'll be getting it on the Galaxy in the next week. Um, that's supposedly better. The only, other, uh, the only other criticism is that the side-to-side -side viewing rate isn't great if you get too far to the side of it. Well, that might be a, that might be a ViewSonic issue. The uh, Samsung uses an IPS display, the same kind of display that is used on the iPad, and it's pretty good. I, you know, I have to be honest. If all you're going to be doing is viewing web pages, and web page compatibility is your number one concern you might want to look at a windows tablet because then you're going to have full windows on there and all the capabilities of a windows machine admittedly it's not ideal for anything else but for that one purpose it might give you the best results yeah, who makes a good windows tablet that's at least the 10 inch size well there the, there are a number of very good uh convertibles for instance uh, my favorite is from lenovo the uh, um uh, oh, I can't remember the uh, designation now. I think it's the 220, uh, X220 is very, uh, very nice. But it's a, it's a laptop that then you flip around and becomes a tablet. If, if what you want to do is show the, your user the best you know, example of what the website looks like, that would be a good choice. But that's not going to be as lightweight as a tablet. Yeah, I have, we actually have some Toshibas, the, uh, the flip around ones. Right. And I like those, but... I'm, again, I'm still looking for something that can fit more in a notebook and is not a, a whole computer. The advantage of the ViewSonics is they've been out for a while. I don't think ViewSonic is necessarily going to make the best hardware, but they have been out for a while, which means there are good ROM replacements, as you've noticed. Yeah. So you can you can update it. You can you can put a better ROM on there. Um, I don't think that they are as good as perhaps some of the newer tablets. Um, Asus is going to make some. Everybody's making them. Acer announced they're going to make yeah. some. Do you want to annotate on the tablet? Do you want to draw on it? Do you want to circle things and say, look at this? Yeah, that's a possibility, but we have plenty of programs to do that with. Okay, okay. I can uh, always put Photoshop on it and open things in Photoshop to be able to do that. I would yeah. say my, my favorite, and you've got to look at it because it's as thin and light as the iPad, which is really part of its attractiveness, is this Samsung 10.1. The Galaxy 10.1. That'll be out next week. It will be shipping with Honeycomb 3.1, which is supposedly much improved. And that's got 3G or 4G. It does, ah, oh, good point. No, it does not. You'd have to either get a 3G card. They are going to have 3G, but I don't know if that'll be available next week. I think you're going to have to wait a little bit on that one. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. I don't think the uh, the zoom or the thicker ones are as good. I have to say, this this form factor is so nice. I haven't seen the uh, the Asus yet. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. God bless the USA Memorial Day weekend and our very special tech guy show. Where's my? Uh, 
Uncle Sam hat. Right now, John, yeah, would you pass that to me, Stasha? Because I, I think I need to wear this for this next segment. Dick D. Bartolo is here. <laughs> Gizwiz, Mad Magazine's maddest writer, our gadget guru. Hello, Dickie D. Well, how you doing? Very, very well. Happy Memorial Day weekend. Do you have any traditions on Memorial uh, yeah, Day weekend? Frankfurt is in the backyard. That, do you cook them? No, I just put frankfurters in the backyard. <laughs> it's just a crazy, wild tradition. You throw them out there, the squirrels get them, I it's throw, great. Yeah. yeah, and the ones from last year are still there. I really, I don't know. Well, that's one of the beauties of modern-day frankfurters. They really never go bad. No, that's true. Mm. That's true. Mm. Yeah. So the Gizwiz on the Tech Guy is a feature we do every, every week. Dick comes up with some crazy gadget. In this case, a very patriotic gadget. Yeah, you know, I wanted to do something patriotic, as you said, and I've—I don't think I've ever done anything from the warehouse on on the radio show, but I did this because I did a a, a web search, and you can still buy it on Amazon. It's called the Wave. It is the world's first realistic waving flag that does not need wind <laughs> that's funny because you there's so much wind here in the studio uh yeah, exactly yeah. yeah i mean if 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 we had a regular flag here we could just wear it out in about an hour with <laughs> And but it's the, the self-waving flag. A self-waving flag. Yeah, exactly. It, it, it's pretty neat, and it plays songs as it waves. Wow. It's actually waving in the box. It's very realistic. Yeah, it's great. It was developed by the uh, co-inventor of the Atari 2600 oh. and the co-inventor of Furby. And yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty neat. It's about 17 inches high. It plays three different songs. And as I said, still available on Amazon for forty bucks. Well, if you now, it's, it, now, it's now, not huge. Can, yeah, it's it's kind of it's, it's seventeen inches high. Okay, it's the flag itself is. Uh, let me just take a quick look. Uh, the flag I'm gonna it's guess kind of like is a coffee like, table flag. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like seven by nine, six by eight, something like that. But if you order it now, you could have it by Fourth of July. <laughs> Dickie D, he, his website has all the information, gizwiz.biz. While you're there, don't forget to uh, take the What the Heck Is It Challenge. If you can guess what that crazy doodad is, you can win an autographed copy of Mad Magazine or just come up with a good answer that's not, even if it's not right. Uh, gizwiz.biz. Dick also does a daily uh, show or a weekly show for us called the Weekly Daily Gizwiz. Hence my confusion. It's called daily, yeah. but it only comes out every week. Exactly. And and four times a month, if you want to. Yeah, and if you, the, you yeah. just should listen to it every day. Yeah, yeah, and uh, we'll be doing that right after the show. That's why Dick's here. He just kind of likes to come and and mooch, eat our food, and then we do the show. Yeah, that's good. Let me reach out. <laughs> Let me just take that. <laughs> ah, ah, ah. All right, Dick. We'll talk to you in a few minutes. I'll be here. And we well, a good day to you, Leo Laporte here, the tech guy, and it's time to talk. Tech, yes, tech, with you right now. And uh, when I say tech, I mean anything with a chip in it. I mean, of course, computers and the Internet, but also cell phones, camcorders, MP3 players, home theater, uh, and, you know, cell phones. Here's my phone number, 8888-ASK-LEO, uh, 8888-ASK-LEO, or uh, I think that translates in uh, into uh, 88. Let's see, 88, 
Never mind. <laughs> Let me just tell you, go to the webpage, techguylabs.com. We've got it written out there, techguylabs.com. That's also where you'll find show notes for this show and all 773 previous episodes. Yes, this is 774 in a continuing saga, trying to solve the world's technology issues one computer at a time, techguylabs.com. Uh, lots of interesting tech news. Skype, this is nice. This is really nice. Skype, it turns out, has been installing junk on our systems without asking. Uh, I, I presume this is the latest Skype. It installs something called Easy Bits Go. Doesn't inform you or ask you for permission. Uh, this uh, comes from an article in uh, blogtechnical.com. Bradley Wint writing says, This morning I was notified that Skype need third-party access to an executable called EasyBits Go. I didn't install that. So he did a virus scan, thinking maybe there was malware. Turns out the program's legit and was installed by Skype. EasyBits produces uh, some game apps. And uh, HP, Dell, Acer, and Skype, among others, uh, put the EasyBits, may I say, junkware on your system. It's essentially uh, a paid ad. A lot of companies do this. You know, when you get these days, when you get an HP. Uh, a Dell, unless you specifically say you don't want it. An Acer, other computers. You'll get a lot of uh, trialware on your system. Junkware. I, there's a worse word for it. I don't want to use it on, the, on a family show like this. But you know what I'm talking about. Uh, and I guess this is this must be the newest Skype for Windows. I'm I use Skype mostly on Macintoshes. Haven't seen this. Uh, how do you get rid of it? <laughs> well, you have to go to Skype Options, Advanced, Advanced Settings, Manage Other Programs, Access to Skype, and remove the EasyBits Go program after you disable it via the Install Uninstall panel and your Control panel and then you have to exit Skype and then temporarily disable Skype from starting automatically then restart your computer. It goes on and on and on including a registry hack. Thank you Skype. Skype admits it. Um, but they don't, uh, <laughs> they don't they don't have any response. Uh, the, you know, remember, this is what happened uh, to uh, real the real player. It's why the real player really disappeared from the face of the earth. People stopped installing it because so much other stuff came along with it. And it made people so angry. They said, I'm not going to use this. Greed, my friends. It's simple greed. I understand. You got you got a business. You got to make, hey, I'm a businessman. I understand. But you don't do this without warning people. You don't do it without giving people the option to opt out. It's just not acceptable, especially in this day and age of malware and spyware. You know, people are very sensitive to the notion that a program might install something on their system. We use Skype. I, uh, I'm a big Skype user. In fact, we, I tell you every weekend, you know, if you're outside the U.S. and you want to call us, we have a toll-free number, but you can call that toll-free number. It only works, you know, toll-free inside the U.S., but you can call that number via Skype out, uh, you know, if you want to call the show. And, uh, you know, I... When my daughter went to France for a year uh, in her uh, junior year of high school, I bought the uh, 
unlimited Skype out for 99 bucks for a year, and that gave her the ability to call us, not only on our computers, but on our phones, cell phones and home phones for free from Europe, and that was great. And I'm a big fan. In fact, I my podcast network, you know, uh, most of the hosts who are on our shows uh, Skype in because they're not in, you know, not not in studio with us. And the sound quality, the picture quality is good enough that it, it you know, it kind of replaces a satellite, the kind of satellite connection that you'd see on a on a on a big network. Even well, even the big networks, CNN and others, use Skype now, don't they? Skype got its value up. They got to, uh, you know, Microsoft bought them for $8.5 billion. I guess they just decided now it doesn't matter. Let's go for the gold. Let's trash the brand. Nobody's got a choice anyway. <laughs> Let Microsoft deal with the fallout. Wow. <laughs> Isn't that sad? <laughs> oh, man. They're just going for the gold, aren't they? Last chance. You got $8.5 billion, guys. Do you really need any more? The sad thing is really, there really aren't many good choices. If you're on a Mac, you can use FaceTime. But, but it, you know, it only works with uh, Macintoshes and, uh, and iPhones. So it's, kind of, you know, it's limited in that way. There are other, um, you know, kind of oddball choices people don't really know about, like Uvu. But, but Skype's the brand name. Here's an opportunity for somebody, I think, to jump in. If you're an entrepreneur out there, and I know there's millions of entrepreneurs, a lot, it's a lot of young gals and guys that just out of college have all the chops and the skills, and they're saying, I don't want to go to work for a tech company. I want to start my own. Well, here's a chance. Here's a chance. $8.5 billion payday. Skype is, what, uh, seven years old. It's like a billion a year. You could live with that, couldn't you? Here's your chance. Make something better. And my advice to you, you know, be treat your treat your users like the gold that they are. Don't treat them like uh, they're a resource to be mined. The world's changing. You can't treat your customers like uh, like cows that you will be leading to slaughter. You have to treat them like uh, partners. And don't dump junkware on them. Please. I look at Facebook. Same thing. I just read an article, an interview with Mark Zuckerberg, the uh, CEO of Facebook. His, his attitude is, you know, people are all worried about privacy. Get over it. <laughs> he says, I'm starting to think this guy's actually actively evil. He's, his, his philosophy is, well... Privacy anxiety is fleeting. You know, whenever we make a change and we breach your privacy, this is him speaking, by the way, in France at the EG8 forum. So whenever we make a change, we'll roll it out. This is a quote, direct quote, quote, we'll roll it out. And pretty often there's this backlash and people will say, okay, we don't like this new thing. I think it's a real anxiety. People were really afraid of more people being able to be involved in the social network. You're going to get used to it. It'll be okay. This is a very self-serving, Mark. Come on. You want to make money off of us. You don't want us to have privacy. What you did was you created a network that promised privacy and then failed to deliver.
You promised people that you could create a Facebook profile and only your friends would see it, that you'd have control over who gets to see it. And then you turned around, you pulled the rug right out from under us. And now you're saying, oh, you're just anxious. Don't worry. It's okay. That's pretty evil. I think, you know, I got into this business. I got into technology because I loved it because I thought it was going to change. I still think it's going to change the world for the better. It's going to give us all a chance to be heard and make a difference. And so it makes me really mad when these companies come along and abuse this. And I'm, I'm, on, my, I'm on my high horse now. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Leo Laporte, the tech guy, Luis Oliveira on the controls today, his second to last Sunday doing the show. Luis is going back to school. I encourage that. That's good. Actually, there's an, <laughs> there's an entrepreneur, a venture capitalist, Peter Thiel. Uh, he's, the, he's one of the early investors in Facebook, made a lot of money on Facebook, who is telling people not to go back to school. Luis, you might be interested in this. He's offering college kids big grants a fellowship of $100,000 provided they drop out of school for two years. What? <laughs> That's making a lot. I bet a lot of parents are going, uh, yeah, well, huh? I like that guy. <laughs> Luis says, I like that guy. I think it's his opinion that college is, he, he, is, is, he gave a, a talk at Berkeley. He's, he was looking for, tw he was looking for 20 people. He ended up finding 24. He said, we couldn't, we couldn't narrow it down. 24 people that he gave $100,000 each to. Wow. That's $2.4 million. Uh, it's good investment, right? He's a venture capitalist. How does that work? Well, he gives you the money. He gets a big chunk of your company. And if you invent the next Facebook, why, Peter is very happy. He doesn't care if you go to college or not. He wants to make money off of you. Uh, although that, at least that is a out-in-the-open deal with the devil that a college kid might make. He says there's a lot of kids who are sitting there in college who uh, college is not really serving them. They've got great ideas. They want to go out and do it. They have all the tools they need to do it. He says it's, he's not against college. It's not that college is wrong. It's the, the assumption that everyone should go to college It's wrong. And what he really is appalled by, and I think increasingly we're starting to see this, is the return on investment that some colleges offer, the crushing debt that many students go into, lifetime of debt, to get that college degree that it perhaps isn't worth the amount of money they paid for it. And so they find they've got a job coming out of college, but it's not enough of a job to pay off that debt. And as a result, they're, uh, you know, they're tied down. He uses Facebook as an example. Of course, he was a big investor. He said when Yahoo offered to buy Facebook for a billion dollars in 2006... The company had $30 million in revenue, no profit, only 5 million U.S. members, almost all of them in college. He said it's the long-term vision, the plan for the future that kept Facebook alive and kept them going. And uh, he says he doesn't, he's not against college. He says he's glad he went to college. But if you've got that vision, <laughs> here's, 100, here's 100 grand, kid. <laughs> Go out and make the next Facebook. And, oh, by the way, I'll take a chunk of that. Thank you. <laughs> the average college graduate leaves school with 24000 in debt. 10% of them never do find work. 
of any kind, it's probably true that not everybody should go to college. And, and there are plenty of kids coming out of high school with the skills they need to create the next Facebook. Mark Zuckerberg was a uh, college sophomore. I think you could make the argument and dropped out. I think you could make, make the argument that Bill Gates, Steve Jobs, Mark Zuckerberg all had the skills they need going into college to start the companies they started. And uh, college was just kind of a holding period for him. Seventy years ago, one and a half million kids went to college. Five years ago, 20 million. College and tuition has risen over the past 25 years three times as fast as individual family income. Over the last decade, college tuition has gone up 5.6% per year beyond, over and above the rate of inflation. Now, I got a kid in college, and I'm glad. I'm glad she went to college, and I'm encouraging my high school sophomore. I'm saying you got to. This is the time to get those grades and get that resume going because you want to get in a good college. Because I do also think, yeah, Martin's Martin's a seventh grader going into seventh grade. He's listening. He's in our studio today. I do think that the modern world requires skills over and beyond uh, what most kids are going to come out of high school with. Uh, in fact, what it increasingly looks like is a graduate degree is going to be necessary if you want to get those highest-paying jobs. But not every kid should go to college. Peter Thiel is going to give 24 kids hundred grand to drop out of school. He says, but you have to change the world. <laughs> uh, it's an interesting. He's worried. Peter's worried that long-term economic stagnation is ahead because... Uh, of a lack of innovation. I don't know if that's true. Don't you feel like we're in a, the most innovative period you can remember? I mean, look at the all the websites and the inventions. I think it's a very exciting time. A very exciting time. What do you think? I talk to people a lot who, uh, who uh, poo-poo college, and I talk to others, and I'll tell you, I'll put in my money on college right now. A lot of it. I, I I'm not sure. I you know. In, I guess in my case, what I'm saying is I'm going to hedge my bets and get to give my kids a chance to go to college because uh, I'm certainly not going to risk their life on the uh, on the notion that maybe college isn't necessary. I agree. Starting your life up to your eyeballs in debt is not a good idea. I mean, that's that's a significant amount of money that some of these kids are. Oh, I don't know. What do you think? 8888-ASK-LEO, 888-827-5536. Let's go to the phones. Jeff's in Tucson, Arizona. Hey, Jeff, Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Good morning, Leo. Good morning. We spent all day yesterday on that whole Skype thing. What do you think? Malware. It was just crazy, man. So you have it, you experienced it. Yeah, we spent we spent literally probably 16 hours uh, trying to get trying to get rid of this stupid thing and uh and now we see skype actually making a statement about it how uh, how really annoying yes yeah, skype, <laughs> skype's uh, statement which is one this morning is dear skype users this is from claudius skype germany he's an admin on the skype forums forums.skype.com he says we understand your concern about easy bits go and the fact that you are upset please bear with us until we can give an official statement on this later yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. On, you know, and I'm a paying Skype user. I mean, I pay for Skype services, so this is I do too. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. 
Well, I have a question, uh, Leo, about, and thank you for taking my call very, very much. I really think very highly of you. Thanks, Jeff. I, um, I am a, uh, I'm a blind computer user, and I am buying a Mac. And uh, I also have a Windows machine, and uh, I really don't want to have to buy another monitor. So I went looking around for uh, KVM switches, and there are a ton of them. Yes. Um, and uh, so I'm using a USB uh, you know, mouse and, and keyboard on my Windows machine, and I'm getting a Magic Trackpad, which, of course, is Bluetooth uh, on the Mac side. Uh, but I want to I try to get something that's going to work so I can share my monitor uh, and speakers across um, both the Mac and, and the PC, and I just didn't the, know if the you trick knew. on KVMs uh, right now. KVM stands for keyboard, video, mouse. The idea being one keyboard, one mouse, one monitor, multiple computers plugged into it, and you press a button, or the mm -hmm. KVM auto senses which computer you're using and puts that computer display up on the monitor and attaches the mouse and keyboard, and in your case, speakers to that computer. It's a clever idea, but there are some caveats, which we'll talk about right after the break. So hang on, okay, Jeff? Thanks. It's actually a clever solution, but we'll have that for you in a minute. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. I have Scott Wilkinson on the line. We're going to talk about home theater with Scott in just a second. But let me let me wrap up this conversation with Jeff uh, from Tucson, who's looking for a KVM switch. I'll tell you, Jeff, just off the top of my head, um, the KVMs that I've used and had great success with are the I.O. gear KVMs. One thing to be aware of is that many KVMs are for analog monitors or VGA. You probably don't have an analog monitor, so you got to get a KVM that supports the digital display and has the right um, Actually, uh, analog monitor you do that makes it a lot easier okay. uh, and a lot cheaper because an analog kvm switch uh is is much more straightforward so okay. um uh, at that point you know i don't think it matters too much i've had bad experiences with the um the kvms that are uh, use the usb and the keyboard to do the switch you know they have keyboard strokes that do the switch. I like having a KVM with a physical switch on the front of it. I know that's less convenient, but I find that that works better. We used, uh, we've used a lot of KVMs in television because we needed a way to uh, switch. We had exactly this issue, right? You have uh, multiple computers, but you want to use a single keyboard, mouse, and monitor for them, those computers. And uh, I found IO gears work the best. Great. Thank you, Leo. My pleasure. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it. And I think your switch to the Mac is probably a good idea. Accessibility on the Mac is astoundingly good. It's very good. Now let's say hello to Scott Wilkinson. <laughs> very patient man. He's the uh, editor That was an important question. It was an important question. Editor-in-chief of the Ultimate AV Magazine at uh, ultimateavmag.com and uh, columnist for Home Theater Magazine joins us every week to talk about TVs and <laughs> surround sound. Hi, Scott. All that good stuff. Yeah. Hey, listen, I wanted to let everyone know in Southern California that next weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, is a really cool um, show open to the public called The Home Entertainment Show Newport oh. in Newport Beach. Uh, the Home Entertainment, T-H-E. So it's the show. Uh, at the Hilton Newport Beach, which is actually in Irvine, <laughs> but I suppose right on the border or so, right, right next to the uh, John Wayne Airport. Uh, Friday through Sunday, uh, more information, go to the show Newport.
Com. I've never heard of such a thing. Are there a lot of local uh, home theater shows? Is this there aren't that many? No, uh, we go to a lot of trade shows, but there aren't that many for consumers. But there are more. This is actually a growing trend. There's another show called Axpona, which is American something or another. I forget what it stands for, but uh, that there was one in Orlando or Atlanta, Atlanta, Georgia, um, a few weeks ago. This is coming up in June in New York. This THE show has been in a variety of places. There's been one at CES for the last several years and associated, I think, also with CEDIA in September. I think this is such a good idea because uh, going to a... Um a, a store to look at a TV for a consumer <laughs> is far from ideal. The, Absolutely. The, the lighting, you don't have control of what you're seeing. You don't see enough different varieties. You can't really trust the salespeople to, to give you good information. So having a, <laughs> That's having for sure, a, trade, right? a, a trade show style thing where they're, you're not going to buy. I presume they don't sell anything there. I don't think so. No, it's just to show off stuff. It's now, for I information. It's a great, exactly. we need a way to gather information as consumers. I think this is great. That's correct. And now this show started much more as an audiophile show. So I suspect there's still more audio stuff there than video. Um, but still, they're, they're showing things in hotel rooms rather than a, a, in a big giant uh, showroom. So you do get more of a, a sense of being at home in a sense. Yeah. Uh, you're in a smaller room. You're not you in know. a brightly lit warehouse with the yeah, fluorescence exactly. and, uh, and 800 yeah. people wandering around. I think and there is, will be some home theater stuff there, too. So uh, it's, a smart, gonna, it's a smart thing for the manufacturers to do. I, I would absolutely. love to see them do more of this. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the, the show, this THE show, is uh, starting to do more and more. So I'm really happy about that. I'm going to be down there on Saturday. It's Saturday, it's noon to 7 p.m. And then for Saturday and Sunday, it's like 10 to 6 or 10 to 4, something like that. And, um, and so I'm going to be wandering the halls all day on, um, on Friday. And uh, maybe I'll see some of you down there. Neat. I think this is something that stereo uh, companies, uh, audio companies, are used to doing because they know you really there's no way to listen to to, to hear audio in a, in a big box store or in a that's correct. in a good guys or a best buy and so yep they need you know that's why magnolia is you know around inside what are those inside best buys i think uh yeah best buy yeah mm -hmm. uh, because you need a different kind of venue if you want to hear the audio <laughs> you amazing. need an environment yeah right. exactly it's got some yeah exactly so yeah. so this is a really good idea um, boy, you when you said that uh, you know that you weren't necessarily going to get good information from salesmen, I, I have a reader letter that I just had to share with you. It's hilarious. Uh, Joe Suters wrote and said, "What do you think of these new plasma LED hybrids?" <laughs> and I what? Went, I wrote him back and I said, uh, what? what? <laughs> Plasma said, and LCD are two very different technologies. Completely different technologies. And, and he wrote me back. I said, what do you mean? And he wrote me back and he said, oh, the salesman at the stores, you know, showed me the Samsung TV and said, it's the greatest thing. It's a combination of plasma and LCD. Wow. <laughs> so I wrote him back and I said, uh, no. Wow. No such a thing. Yeah. Um, and I even told, I even called Samsung and told them about it, uh, you know, and he, and they said, hmm, I guess we better get on our training program, hadn't we? <laughs> <laughs> I, I have to admit having in the past haunted electronics stores just to hear what, what nitwit stuff some of the salesmen. Some, now, oh. occasionally you'll get a salesman who really knows his stuff. 
Yes, yes, absolutely. And and so I'm not. I don't want to tar them all with the same brush. But every no, no, once no. in a while, but most of the time, you hear such <laughs> self, often self-serving, but sometimes just kind of misinformed information. It's totally wrong. Yeah. And and uh, you know, I, I have to assume that the guy was simply misinformed or yeah. just you know didn't know what he was talking about and just making stuff up. I don't think he was being malicious, but. Uh, it does. It, it was a great illustration of how you have to be a little careful when yeah. you go into these stores and yeah. take whatever the salesperson says with a grain of salt. Well, good, good. the good news is at least we have the internet, and there's never been a better time for a consumer to become well informed on a product before they buy it. You have all this information online, all these reviews. You can go to CNET, PC Mag, all sorts of places. Ultimate AV Magazine, yeah, HomeTheaterMag.com. Yes. <laughs> there's so many great places to go now. Yeah. So that I know when I go shopping for a big ticket item of any kind, I usually go in pretty well prepared. Exactly. And I think more and more people are doing that, and I applaud them for it. I think that's really uh, I almost don't want the salesman to come over. It's like, yeah, dude, right. <laughs> dude, I'll let you know. Yeah, right. You know, I don't need your misinformation. I, I There have been a lot of uh, people who have gone in as sort of secret shoppers or mystery yeah, shoppers, yeah, you know. That's fun. And then written, and then written about it. Yeah. I, I haven't done that myself, but it might be kind of fun to do sometime. Yeah. Um, I wanted to let everybody know who has, I, I want to thank everyone who has written me. I've gotten a lot of emails, a lot of questions. I'm I'm answering them all as fast as I can. <laughs> I answer at least eight a week, and I'm about two or three weeks behind now. So <laughs> I just want to let everybody know that, uh, be, be patient, You're, I will answer your questions. That's so, awfully nice of you. I mean, I don't answer everybody's email. I can't answer all my emails. Well, so that's I, very I nice probably can't either, but I do as absolutely as many <laughs> You're as I trying. possibly can. Yeah, I'm really doing my Good best. For you. Yeah. Good for you. Uh, I'll tell you what, we're going to take a break. Why don't you come back and answer another question uh, when we come back? Because sure, I, I ate sure. up a little, bit of, a little bit of your time. Scott Wilkinson is the editor-in-chief of the Ultimate AV Magazine, ultimateavmag.com, and a columnist for Home Theater Magazine, hometheatermag.com. Also hosts a podcast I, one of my personal favorites, called Home Theater Geeks. Uh, he does it on our uh, podcast network every Monday afternoon, 1.30 Pacific, 4.30 Eastern at live.twit.tv. Who's your guest tomorrow? Uh, no guest tomorrow. It's Memorial oh, Day. Oh, you're taking the day off, huh? Yeah, whole, all of Twit did is I, taking Did I the give day everybody off. the day off tomorrow? <laughs> I didn't even know. All right, well, next Monday we'll talk. Hey, hang on. We're going to get another question from a viewer, or a listener, I should say, in just a bit. Scott Wilkinson with us. I am Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Well, hey, how are you? Good to see you. Leo Laporte here, the tech guy from the Tech Guy Labs in beautiful Northern California. Taking your questions, talking about tech. My phone number is 888-827-5536 if you've got a question, a comment, a suggestion. Did you buy the new Lady Gaga album? Did you buy it on Amazon for 99 cents? That was the deal, wasn't it? Monday and Thursday. I bought it Tuesday. <laughs> so I paid $7 for it. When they first, when Lady Gaga's new album, Born This Way, first went on sale, Amazon offered it on their MP3 downloads for 99 cents. Uh, and it was so big that, in fact, their servers were way slowed down. People who bought it were having a hard time downloading it. Of course, you know. Next day or the day after, you probably were able to get it without a problem. And it was in your uh, cloud locker. This is, you know, in some ways for Amazon, a great promotion for the uh, the cloud service because you didn't have to download it to play it. You could stream it uh, on your Android phone or on your computer. Even on iOS, you could stream it without downloading it. Uh, Amazon, according to Billboard... 
magazine, sold 440,000 copies of the album. 99-cent album. Uh, so, how much money did they lose? Because they still paid Lady Gaga and her label the same amount as if they'd sold it for the full price. For every unit Amazon sells at a buck, they lose, according to Billboard, about $7.40. So they're figuring it cost Amazon around $3.2 million to do that promotion. Worth it? Heck yeah. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Heck yeah. Uh, I think... I'm sure Amazon feels that way because, first of all, they got a lot of attention. They're getting people talking about it, like right now. Uh, I think they introduced 440,000 people to Amazon MP3 buying and Amazon's cloud music service. It's well worth it. So uh, Lady Gaga didn't take a hit on this. No, Lady Gaga's happy. Amazon took the hit. Now, the same album sold on iTunes for 12 bucks, $11.99. People, I think some people did buy it on iTunes. There's, of course, a habit. People are used to buying music on iTunes. It is, after all, the number one music retailer in the U.S. of any kind, digital or, you know, storefront. Uh, plus, uh, they were able to download it from iTunes when maybe they weren't able to download it right away from Amazon. So I think that Gaga made money off iTunes, too. But, boy, to sell in two days 440,000 copies of an album makes that a pretty successful album. And, have, and I think a very successful promotion for Amazon. They're promoting their cloud drive, their cloud player. They, you know, they know that Apple and Google are going right after them with the same kind of thing. It's probable that people who bought the 99-cent album, many of those, if they didn't have Amazon accounts, now do and will come back and buy other things. I, I think this is a very successful promotion. Now, what's interesting is Billboard has decided not to change its how it charts music, even though there was this kind of, you know, big bump for Lady Gaga because of the promotion. I guess that makes sense. You know, if you're promoting something, you've got to presume that the albums are promoted in some way to get early sales and... Uh, you can't really change your algorithm of how you put something on the charts based on that. Did you buy Born This Way? I did. I bought it just because it was 99 cents. Actually, th this is an example of where Amazon made out a little bit because I went to Amazon hearing about the 99 cent deal and it was already over. So I bought it for $6.99. They I guess they still lost a little money. I don't even, you know, <laughs> and I didn't download it. It's just on my cloud drive. I think that's pretty successful. I think you've got you've to praise Amazon for that. Interesting debate, by the way, over Amazon's cloud service and Google's cloud service. Neither company licensed the music from record companies uh, for putting on the cloud. They say, well, we don't need to license it. It's just a storage. It's like having a remote hard drive. What, 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 what license? Sony says, oh, no, we want a license for that. Had Google paid licenses to the labels, it would have been $100 million up front to the four major labels. But the music industry turned it down. They said, we don't even want you to license it because we figure 
Google and YouTube just point to pirated music. We don't want to work with you guys. Now, the rumor is very strong that Apple's already signed three of the four major labels, maybe even by now all four, for their cloud service. There will be, I am sure, lawsuits for Amazon and Google over these services. It's really a shame because think about it. If you're using Google's cloud service, they don't sell music. You have to upload the song. Google's just giving you storage. License? What? Li Why do they need a license for that? Amazon's selling music. Sony and others say, ah, okay, wait a minute. You could sell the Lady Gaga album, but when you just stick it on the cloud drive there and let people play it from the cloud drive, no, you have to pay for that extra. You'd think the music industry would just be grateful. <laughs> just thank you. They should just say thank you to Google. Thank you to Amazon. Thank you to Apple. You're keeping us alive. People are buying music. What are you complaining about? 8888 Ask Leo. Nah, you know, everybody's greedy, I guess. 8888 Ask Leo. And, of course, uh, all of the greed, all it does is really impact you and me, the normal user. If, if the record industry hadn't been so greedy... We wouldn't have to upload those songs, by the way. We could just say, hey, yeah, I own this song. Uh, look on my hard drive. You see that, see that album? See that song? And Google would just say, yeah, okay, good. We'll serve it to you. That was the original structure of a, of a site called mp3.com. Remember that? mp3.com had some software that you put on your computer. It would go through your music, say, oh, yeah, you own that, 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 and that. No problem. Now, whenever you want to hear it, you don't have to upload it. We, just ha we have a copy. You can listen to our copy. And Universal Vivendi sued them. Got a settlement, which drove the stock price of mp3.com down to nothing. And then Universal Vivendi bought them. Saying, you know, that was our plan all along. <laughs> we, we knew that mp3.com really couldn't fight and win this lawsuit. Not because there's, no, there's, there's merit in it. There isn't any merit in it. But we just knew it would be too expensive. We've got, we've got more lawyers than they do. So we win by default, and now we'll buy the company. But because of that decision, you can't, you can't just say, hey, yeah, I own a song. Can I play it from your cloud service? You have to upload it to the cloud service. It took days for me to upload 6,000 songs to the cloud service. But now I have them all on the Google Music and my, on my Google phone and my Google tablet. I can play them. That's kind of nice. Uh, we were talking about uh, erasing hard drives. I needed to uh, finish up that uh, call. Uh, remember, our uh, caller, uh, Christine, is buying a new laptop, has a bunch of old laptops and old hard drives just lying around. She wants to sell them. You can sell them on eBay. Very important that you wipe them before you sell them. You don't want any of your data on it. And that means, in my opinion, erase, not merely erasing them, but erasing them and overwriting them with ones and zeros so that there's really no trace of your data. Great program called Derek's Boot and Nuke. If those hard drives are still in a computer, a PC, it's easy to do. You just uh, go search Google D-B-A-N. That's short for Derek's Book and Boot and Nuke. D-B-A-N. It's a free program. You download it. You put it on a CD. You boot to the CD. It wipes the drive. And now you can sell it. Now it's okay to sell it. But make sure you do that before you sell it. You want to get your date off of there. Leo Laporte, the tech guy.